Welcome, my friends, to the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. I am the Tomb's proprietor, Headstone P. Gravely, and here I are two captive hosts, Trey Lawson and James Hickson. Woo! Party time! Celebrate good times! Come on! Come on, James! Let's party! Woo! 50th episode! Woo! There's a carp in the goddamn bathtub! What? There's a carp in my goddamn bathtub! I can't go home until the carp's asleep! Why is there a carp in the bathtub? It's not in the goddamn file! (laughs) Is, Is this... Have you been possessed by the spirit of George C. Scott? The point is not to exercise that dead actor. The point is to make that other dead actor exercise for the, his damn country. So now I'm just imagining, like, creepy early 90s Brad Dourif on a treadmill because he's exercising. <laughs> you know, if it's Brad Dourif watching it, I, doing it, I would watch it. Fair, fair. <laughs> uh, so, anyway... If you hadn't noticed, I watched Exorcist 3 the other day. That's so good. So good. Oh, had you seen it? Had you seen it before? I had not seen it before. Uh, how about that jump scare? That jump scare was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I looked away for it a second, and I'm like, oh, fuck! What was going on? Was- Catches you off guard. It gets real quiet. Yeah. So uh, then I had to rewind and watch it again. And then one more time. Yeah, Because <laughs> no, it's that I- good. I like Exorcist 3 a lot, um, so I, I was very happy that, that The Last Drive-In uh, covered it in, in the most recent season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, this is not Tomb of Exorcisms and Exorcist 3 podcast. No. No, not at all. Or would it be Tomb of Legion? Mm. Legion? Legion of Ideas? If we were doing an Exorcist 3 podcast, what would... You know what? Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Carp in the goddamn bathtub. <laughs> that is one of my favorite bits. Uh, everything with uh, with Kinderman and Father Dyer is just gold. Is this the fastest we've ever ever gotten off on a tangent on this show? Uh, you know, we made it all of like thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, um, it was but... like fifty, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but this is Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel horror podcast. And it is our 50th episode. We have done 50 of these, James. Oh, wow. That, and you feel every goddamn one. <laughs> and, and, and Gravely says that we are required to be happy about that. Yay. <laughs> so, uh, my name's Trey Lawson. I'm here with James Hickson. Um, and we talk about Marvel horror and monster comics. That is what we do. And the occasional tangent. Absolutely. Uh, like, I mean... It, every five minutes. I mean, come on, James. I can't to not talk about The Exorcist. <laughs> this is true. This is, I'm pretty sure you have, like, the, the script of The Exorcist as a back tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't tempt me. <laughs> actually, could... actually the, the logo for The Exorcist 3 that ended up not being used when it was going to be called Exorcist 3 Legion... Uh, was a really cool logo and would probably make a cool tattoo, but... 
I would I would donate to this fund. I'm just saying. I would donate to the I would do, I you you get that on your back and I get a carp in a bathtub as my back tattoo. <laughs> full bot full full back. Anyway, uh, we have three comics to talk about today. We don't have any magazines, so we're back to our, our original format of, of discussing three horror comics. It's been and a while. It has been a while. We've had, well, we're sort of at the, the peak of the monster mags being a thing. Yeah. You know, we're, in fact, we're, we're roughly halfway through several of those magazines at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're, we're, we're at a point where it's, it's, less often that we get to do a bunch of regular comics. And, and so this, this should be a, a fun discussion. Um, but before we get into those comics, we should take a slight detour into the hottest segment in comics podcasting. You know it. You love it. It's Hellstrom Watch. <laughs> so. Should I just... I'm just, I should just do the whole show as Dorsey Scott, right? <laughs> I mean... I feel like your background should have, like, an American flag behind you. It should. It really should. <laughs> if, 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 if this was a video medium, it would. Right. <laughs> uh, so, Hellstrom Watch, where we talk about all of the goings-on in the MCU and broader Marvel adaptation landscape. Uh... First off, we have updated release dates. Some of these came out uh, almost immediately after we recorded last time, so they yep. did not make that episode. Uh, nope. But but I figured it, it's worth starting off by just running down the current slate of Marvel and Marvel-related films as it stands as w- while we're recording now. All of these are subject to change, of course. These are assuming that theaters at some point are able to safely resume normal operations. Which, <laughs> which is a toss-up at this point. Who knows? But but I'm just going to run down these dates. Uh, so our next Marvel-related film that's scheduled to be released in theaters is March 19th, 2021. And that is Morbius. Oh, God. That'll be our first one. Oh, what a way to begin the <laughs> summer movie season. I mean, you got to ease into things, right? Um, ease in like a like a like a hypodermic needle filled with shit (laughs) i was gonna say like a carp in a bathtub but ah god damn i can't go home until the carp's asleep (laughs) (laughs) um after morbius uh the next release will be may 7th 2021 that is uh black widow finally yeah finally uh Assuming knock, that they're able to keep to that date, knock on so, wood. Crap, and that'll wood? be the first. That'll where, be the where first. Where is wood major... in this goddamn tomb? I can't <laughs> knock on anything. That'll be the first major MCU release of uh, of 2021. Is Black Widow? Yeah, sure. After Black Widow, we'll be jumping to June 25th, 2021, and that's when we will get the theatrical release of Venom. Let there be carnage. You know, maybe COVID isn't such a bad thing. <laughs> If it wants to mm. stay a bit longer, and I mean, sure, it'll kill thousands and ruin the economy, but mm, I don't have to watch that movie. I mean, 
I don't know about you, but I am actually really excited to see the epic showdown between Tom Hardy's weird voice and Woody Harrelson's bad toupee. <laughs> Wait, can Woody can Woody Harrelson grow hair? <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen him with a full head of hair. No, even on Cheers, he didn't yeah. have a full head of hair. But he like, already was like thinning on top. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. So, so that's that's June. Uh, July, July 9th, twenty twenty one, is Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which I feel like nobody's really talked about that one. Like you don't hear much about it. Although there is a rumor that it might include Fing Fang Foom. Ooh. Wait. Yes or no on the underwear? Oh, one hundred percent. Purple shorts or we riot. Riot. I'll, I'll <laughs> go. I'll start making a lot of cocktails now. <laughs> Uh, so Shang-Chi. After that, November 5th, we jump from July all the way up to November 5th, 2021, for Eternals. Crap, that's still coming. Wow, I forgot all about that movie. Yeah, well, I mean, that's because it's the Eternals. And that's November? That's November. God damn it, why has that got to be my birthday movie? Huh. Well, you know what my birthday movie is, James? Do you know what my birthday movie is? Um, I'm assuming something with Care Bears? It's the one with Carnage. <laughs> Carnage is a Care Bear, right? <laughs> oh, God, now imagine a Care Bear with a symbiote. <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> Someone draw this for us. Someone yes. draw it. Just draw, please. Give, like, us a, give us a Carnage Bear. G- Carnage Bear, yes. Oh, God, yes. Please. Uh, so that's Eternals. That's November 5th. Remember, remember, 5th of November. Oh, oh man. Okay. And then the final Marvel-related movie of 2021 will release on December 17th, right before Christmas. And that's Thor Love and Thunder. Wow, really? Yeah. Thor Love and Thunder is a Christmas movie. Oh, no, sorry, I misread. I got those backwards. Uh, December 17th is Untitled Spider-Man 3. (laughs) Oh, I would love a Spider-Man Christmas movie. Well, it looks like that's what we're getting. It, like, if, if it's actually acknowledged that it's Christmas. Yes, please, please. Oh, ooh, that yes. Because there, there's a, there actually is a great Spider-Man uh, comic, mm-hmm. Christmas comic, where he's fighting Electro at the giant Christmas tree. Nice, nice. Which leads nicely into our next. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Let, let me quickly run down the other titles. Uh, the reason I misread that is the next movie, the first one of 2022, uh, releases right before Valentine's Day, February 11th. That's Thor Love and Thunder. I'll be honest, I haven't actually looked at the list. But that makes more sense, though. Love and Thunder... Um, on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Yeah, okay, that's actually cool. That is a cute Valentine's Day movie. Right. And that's Valentine's Day 2022. Uh, it, well, February 11th, so it comes out like right before Valentine's Day. That, that, that's still a good Valentine's Day movie, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, After that, March 25th, 2022, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, uh, directed by Sam Raimi. Oh my god, I could just imagine the Chris Hemsworth Valentine's Day commercials. <laughs> Valentine's Day themed commercials that will be... Sorry, I, 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 got, to, I got distracted. But anyway, um, um, Doctor Strange. Tr- yep, that's March. In May, they've got Black Panther 2 slated to release May 6th. So that's assuming that they are able to figure out how to proceed with that, which I think they will, but 
I'll be curious to see how they, the, whether they recast or whether they move forward with a different character as Black Panther, because I could see it going either way. I just don't know. Me either. I just, I mean, I guess a lot of it will have to do with what the like the Bozeman family's wishes. Sure, sure, and and, and what the creative team, who were all very close to Bozeman, like are comfortable with. Yeah. Um. So that's May, July, July eighth, twenty twenty two is Captain Marvel 2. Captain Marvel 2, which, you know, I really thought we'd have gotten that before now. Yeah, um, well, so, I guess because she was involved in the filming on Infinity War and Endgame, you know? Although, she really didn't show up until Endgame. Right, she was in the post-credits, I guess, for Infinity War, maybe? No, she wasn't in post-credits. No, she wasn't. You're right, you're right. Um... She was all. We had her symbol on a pager. That's right. That's what it was. That yeah. was, and that was uh, right because of uh, uh, Fury. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see a solo Captain Marvel movie set in the present. It will, especially since we are getting Monica Rambeau in Wandavision. Yes. Two years prior. Right. And also speaking of Wandavision, we are getting. Um, that, I guess, two years prior to Doctor Strange's ma- Madness Dimensions? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much, because WandaVision's debuting end of this year. Doctor Strange is not until March 2022. Okay. Um, and then uh, the last movie on the list that we have right now is October 7th, 2022, and that is the Untitled Into the Spider-Verse sequel. Yes. Although apparently, apparently, and... I'm not sure if we have this on the Hellstrom Watch list, but there are rumors. Oh no, it's the next, it's the next goddamn thing on the on the Hellstrom Watch it, list. It is. I finally it pulled up the list. <laughs> James, <laughs> this is why I make the list. <laughs> you know, you're assuming I know how to read, and it's really <laughs> insulting and really offensive. You're, you're putting me on the spot here in the middle of the goddamn show where I have to admit to everyone that I am illiterate. <laughs> and there's still a goddamn carp in a bathtub. <laughs> so, yes, James, what is the next thing on the list? <laughs> um, hold up, I closed the list. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> um, j- uh... <laughs> Um, that guy who was in that movie might be playing that character again, but, you know, not in that movie, but a new movie with the same guy, but not that guy, and... (laughs) Okay, listeners, let me translate that for you. Um, in the MCU Spider-Man 3, Jamie Foxx is returning as Electro, having previously played the role in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's right, because that one only got two movies, right? Yeah, yeah, I kept, yeah. I kept to think it was Amazing Spider-Man 3, but no, they didn't get a 3. No, the, that second movie just feels like it ought to... Like, that one movie has enough stuff in it for two two whole movies, is the problem. You're right. Damn. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you probably thought there was a movie with Electro and a movie with the Green Goblin, but no, yeah. they, they, they shoved all that together. Yeah, okay, okay. So, yeah, the hell... Yeah, um, there's a few ways that we could interpret this. One is that, like with uh, J.K. Simmons, this is just bringing back a familiar actor to play a new take on the character. That is a possibility. Yeah. 
that that Jamie Foxx is getting a mulligan and gets to try again. Which, you know, Ooh. it wasn't his fault. No. Honestly, even m- more than J.K. Simmons, you know what it could be? It could be Brandon Routh getting to play Superman again. Which I still have not watched. Right, but but that that's sort of the idea, I think, is this guy was a good casting choice in a bad movie. So let's try again with that casting choice. Okay. That that that's one possibility. Now, the other possibility, which at this point is just a rumor, is that this could be some sort of live action Spider Verse. Yeah, that was the thing I was kind of referring to earlier. Right, right. And so in that case, they would be trying to get back uh, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Which, wow, you think you really think Sony could get Andrew Garfield back? I don't know. I don't know. To, it depends on whether he more is bitter about the process versus whether he wants to maybe go out on a better note. Like, does he see this as a chance to redeem his Spider-Man in terms of the broader franchise, or does he see it as revisiting something that was not good for him? And if they do a live-action Spider-Verse, does that mean we're getting a live-action Miles Morales? Maybe. I, I would expect at least as, like, a cameo or something, you know? Or, like, are we going to get cartoon Miles Morales? Mm. Like, Who Framed Roger Rabbit style? Right, right. Don't know. That would be interesting. Um, now, I, I've long said that Tobey Maguire, given that he's in his, like, mid to late 40s at this point, ought to play the MC2 version of Peter Parker, who's retired and, and raising Mayday. Oh, God, I would love a Mayday movie. Right? Right? Just, like, if that could be the Olivia Wilde uh, female spider project, mm. I, I am so for it. In fact, that'd be a really good project. Also, also, why has why has nobody in the comics um, done a spider team up between uh, Spider Gwen and Mayday? Because that should have happened by now, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, it should. Because I don't know if you know Trey, but like in the Spider Verse storyline, yeah, May kind of gets screwed. Yeah, like her parents are murdered in front of her. Yep. Yeah, it, it's the 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 tragic like fridging backstory yeah yeah like they fridged her entire supporting cast yeah yeah and now she has to raise her little brother on her own yep yep not great not great that's probably one of my least favorite parts of the spider-verse comic is the way they treat the the mc2 universe Mm. Mm -mm -mm. so anyway uh, as part of this uh, supposedly rumors uh are now swirling that in addition to the, the spider actors that, that might be coming back. There's also rumors that maybe Kirsten Dunst or maybe the guy who played Harry Osborn in uh, the Amazing movies uh, might also come back. Because there's no way in hell we're getting James Franco. No, 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 no. I don't nor, think they would want to get James Franco. Nor right would now. I particularly want them to. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, your your old your old classmate. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um. <laughs> But yeah, uh, in any case, regardless of what the content of Spider-Verse or, or Spider-Man 3 is, it is expected to resume filming next week. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, you could probably film in Canada. Apparently they're filming in New York. Are they fucking insane? <laughs> right. I'm sure there's every safety precaution in place and it'll be fine. Yep. 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 But I swear to God, if they kill fucking Tom Holland, I will come for somebody. Uh, so apparently Jamie Foxx 
has been quoted as saying that this time his Electro won't be blue. Well, that's good. Yeah. Can we get the classic costume? Dunna. Right, well, because, you know, they've changed the costume several times over the years. I want a goddamn lightning he, mask. He, he's dead in the comics right now. There's a different Electro. Like, Electro's a woman now. Uh, yeah. But but his last appearance that I saw, uh, he had gotten a, a big power upgrade and, and had, like, instead of the mask, the, like, electric Starburst logo was, like, scarred into his face. They did that, though, with the Jamie Foxx Electro. Right, right. But but that, they did it in the comics at the same time. Hold on. Now i got to look, look up all the Electro costumes. <laughs> so it so there's the classic with, like, the, the green bodysuit with the yellow lightning bolts and, and the sort of star-shaped mask. What the fans demand. <laughs> um, then, then for a while he had... He still wore the green, but without the mask. Instead, he had the, the scarring on his face, and he was bald. Yeah. Um, then his costume... I thought that might actually be it as far as like big changes. Like a, the the design of the bodysuit and and the mask have you know fluctuated as different artists have done it. But but I think those are the two main looks he's had. Uh, but the current Electro wears basically a women's version of the classic costume, and she has the the mask. Francine Fry is her name. <laughs> her name is Fry. <laughs> oh, so. So anyway, so Spider-Man 3 is a thing that will feature Jamie Foxx in some capacity playing Electro, and it will be filming again soon. Um, next, right after we recorded our last episode, Hulu, in fact, did drop a new trailer for Hellstrom. God damn it, Hulu. Um, I watched this trailer, and having watched it, I can't tell that it's a trailer for a Marvel show. I don't think the Marvel logo appeared anywhere. It feels... Like we said with the previous trailer, it feels more like a generic, like, supernatural CW drama or something. Um, it's weirdly preoccupied with his mom instead of his dad, because she's in a mental institution and apparently possessed. Okay. Uh, and and the, the final shot of the trailer is actually kind of cool, um, in that, like, his... It looks like maybe his shirt is, like, burning off from the chest, so I'm guessing that's his birthmark. Like, catching fire and, and glowing. Which I just realized, it, it's going to be, like, almost the same position as, like, the Iron Man thing. Mm-hmm. So, I wonder if someone will make a reference to that. Maybe. Except they won't say Iron Man. They'll do, like, the Netflix Marvel thing. It'll be, like... Oh, God. Like, Metal Suit Guy. That... Stark Guy. Not yeah. T- not, me- not mentioning which Stark. Right, right. For, for all they, we know, they could be talking about the King of the North. Right. Uh, but we'll probably get more information about Hellstrom and uh, and its other its sort of uh, companion in the Huluverse, Modoc, uh, because uh, whenever New York Comic Con happens, they're supposed to do some panels with Hulu. So okay. Then uh, finally, last on our Hellstrom watch list for today, the New Mutants Ultimate Collector's Edition will hit Blu-ray on November seventeenth. <laughs> Just in case anyone is wondering, I do not want that for my, my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> however, however, if you're impatient, it is technically still in theaters right now. Except, like, half the theaters in the country are still closed. <laughs> right. And if the ones near you are not, please don't go. Like, don't go no. to the theater right now. It's not safe. So I guess we should talk about this other news. Um, okay. Regal has closed all of their theaters until... Um, Question mark. Sorry? 
Until question mark. Yes. Until question mark. Right. Because Warner Brothers basically forced everyone to reopen by releasing Tenet exclusively to theaters. And then Tenet didn't make any money. No. And now the theaters are struggling because all of the other studios have pulled their theatrical releases. And so theaters are stuck half open, half not, barely making, they would barely be making any money if people were going because they're operating at 50% capacity. But people aren't even going at that capacity. So like, they're just not making any money at all. No. And I really wonder if we're going to reach a breaking point with, with theaters. Mm. before this coronavirus thing is over. I'm wondering, I honestly wonder if we're going to reach a breaking point because I, you know what? I, I'm not sure that we're we're going to make it to spring and those theaters aren't going to start dropping before then. Right. And this, this partly gets into some political stuff, but like what needs to happen is a part of any coronavirus relief package that Congress passes needs to be a component for uh, the entertainment industry. Yes. Um, for for live performance venues and for movie theaters. Yes. Because and, all of those industries are... are and, and I'm not talking about like the big corporate like Disney, Universal, Warner Brothers. Those companies are probably fine. But like in terms of the level of venues, of places that screen movies and put on shows and hold concerts... The people running those physical spaces need to be protected. And you know what? Let's just go full of fucking political for a second here. This this episode comes out a week before, um, a little under a week before Election Day. If you were listening to this show, make sure you freaking vote. It is a, is 100% essential that you vote mm-hmm. in this election. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you to vote for, although you could probably figure it out, but <laughs> vote. Yes, it is important. Do your civic duty. And on that fairly depressing note, <laughs> uh, I, I think we've covered everything in Hellstrom Watch. But you know what we forgot about? What's that? Carp in the goddamn bathtub! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll be right we've got back. Three, we've got three comics today. I don't think we ever actually named them. No, I was, but, about, uh, yeah, I was about to do that. Oh, go Um, for it. Go for it. Yeah, we'll be right back um, with our three comics for this episode. We've got Werewolf by Night, number 17, Marvel Spotlight, number 15, and Tomb of Dracula, number 20. So we'll be right back with Werewolf by Night right after these messages. (laughs) 17 years ago, an extraordinary motion picture touched our most profound, nameless fears. Do you dare walk these steps again? Death be not proud, nor canst thou kill me. Satan grows stronger. You believe in possession, Father? He has found a haven. Come to take a little blood from your father. He has taken possession. The boy had been crucified. His web widens. I've just never seen anything like this in 20 years. Inside this cell... The killer drove an ingot into each of his eyes and cut off his head. Inside a man... Who are you? I am no one. A man we thought had died... 17 years ago. Here! 
in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Welcome back to Vibeas. Our first comic this episode is Werewolf by Night 17, The Behemoth. Cover date on this one is May 1974. Writer is Mike Friedrich. Artist is Don Perlin. Inker is Don Perlin. Letter is uh, Tom Orzachowski. Colorist is George Russos. Editor is Roy Thomas. We pick back up at the Notre Dame Cathedral after the battle to the death with the Hunchback. The werewolf and Topaz stand atop the legendary, the legendary structure, looking down at the police. Topaz tries to use her powers to bring the lycanthrope's savage mind back to reason, but soon realizes that her mental powers are fading, leading to a brief scuffle between the werewolf and police, the latter of whom quickly retreat to try to locate some silver bullets. With the constabulary gone, Topaz is able to help the werewolf revert back to the form of Jack Russell, and the next day the two youths return to Los Angeles for a union with Jack's sisters Liza and stepfather Philip Russell. During a quiet moment with Liza, however, the young woman confesses to her brother her fear that she herself may fall victim to the Russell family curse with her 18th birthday arriving in six months' time. Jack resolves at that moment to find a cure for the curse before his little sister can share the same fate as himself. Jack is so absorbed in his research, however, that he forgets the time of the month and transforms into a werewolf and attacks Topaz. Meanwhile, a character by the name of Baron Thunder an apparent leadership role in the committee has been keeping tabs on Jack and picks this moment to strike with a golem-like creature called the Bohemoth. The werewolf is almost defeated by the clay-like giant before it suddenly retreats in answer to some unheard command. After the werewolf has again reverted Jack Russell, Topaz tells him that she must leave him to return to India. She has felt her powers fading over the past few weeks, being barely able to hold the werewolf at bay anymore and hopes a visit to the subcontinent will help to restore said powers. After she leaves though, Jack receives another visitor in the form of Police Lieutenant Hackett, who who tells Jack that he believes there to be a werewolf on the premises. Okay, that's that's a comic right there. Yep, yep, yep. You know, it's Mike Friedrich, but I don't hate it. No, it's it's and and so uh, Don Perlin is the artist, and he he I think he did the last issue too. I don't remember, but I think he did the last issue too. He he's doing a very good Mike Plug impersonation. Yeah, well, and he he's going to stay on this book for a while, uh, and eventually also will pick up Ghost Rider. Yeah, 
And at some point, while on Werewolf by Night, he's going to co-create Moon Knight and then start doing Moon Knight solo stuff too. <laughs> so, so, but yeah, Perlin is kind of doing his best attempt at Plug here, and it mostly works. Yeah, like there's a there's a two page splash on page twenty two. Mm-hmm. Of a transformation from Jack Russell to the werewolf. Oh, that's great! Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, like this would make a good wallpaper for somebody's computer. Yeah, it, like it, especially if you could get one without the captions, or if it just had the onomatopoeia and and Jack's transformation. Like that'd be great. Yes, yes. Again, he's not exactly Mike Plug, right? But he's doing a dang good imitation. Um, he does a similar thing when Jack imagines his sister becoming a werewolf. That one, I think, is a little less effective, just because it's sort of crowded into one panel. Yes. But but he's definitely trying to capture the Plug style for, for the werewolf, which is cool. Yes. Although, I'm not sure if it's the art that really, really just made it glaringly obvious... But it just they keep on mentioning India here. Mm-hmm. It is so dang weird that Topaz is from India. Yes, it is. She is very white and very blonde, and it's weird. And blue eyed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because I feel it feels like a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like for a character to have a character of color in here. Mm-hmm. Um, to have a mixed relationship. Mm-hmm. And at I, I, the very least. Even, I mean, because, you know, 70s, if, if she has to be blonde and blue-eyed and white, like, all it would take is, like, one line of dialogue to say she was the daughter of a former British officer or something. Mm. It's just, it's weird. It is weird. It is. Uh, also, Jack and Topaz's reunion with the supporting cast at the airport is buck erasure, and I will have none of it. It's not at the airport. Oh, that's right. It's it's back at the house. Yeah, it's at Philip Russell's house. Right, right, right. Which is why Buck is not there. Fair. But, but I miss Buck. You're right. This, this issue needs more the, Buck. The captions suggest, finally, I'm back with all of the people I care about. Yeah. And I do not believe that. Yeah. yeah it's just... Mm. So... Uh, this, this book has a bunch of weird connections to previous comics. Yes. Yes. You're, it does. With, you know, they bring up... They bring up Thomas Kane. Joshua who, Kane? Sorry, they bring up... Yeah, they bring up who I honestly did not think was going to put up again. Right? Ever. Because why would he? He was terrible. Like, he was awful. What you talking about, boy? <laughs> you know, boy, there's a carp in the goddamn bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> Since when is Joshua Kane played by George T. Scott? And how did he the become man is was a legendary actor, Trey. He's a chameleon. He disappears <laughs> into every role. He can play every role in this comic, including Topaz. <laughs> I would pay money to see that, actually. You gotta understand, Jack. I gotta go back to India to restore my power. <laughs> I- I've lost my George C. Scott voice, I think. <laughs> but, but yeah, so, so Kane comes up, and ultimately the, it goes nowhere, because, like... He's, he, he thinks that maybe Kane would, would have had, like, materials on the werewolf curse. But then that mm-hmm. goes nowhere. It's... And then, like, the random actor from Dracula Lives comes up. Yes, gets referenced. Yeah. 
It's weird. And like they mentioned, <laughs> that's another story. That's another story I expected to never think about ever again. Like he he mentions going to the studio because he's trying to see if he can find Joshua Kane's notes. Which right, apparently right. the studio we saw in that issue was an actual working studio. And not the abandoned studio that it was depicted as in the issue. Yes. And apparently Joshua Kane was supposed to be there. Right. Instead of like squatting in a prop house, which is what we th- thought was happening. Or potentially having bought the old property specifically to turn it into the most dangerous like, game. A hunting ground. Yes. Right. Right. Just apparently not. <laughs> And they don't even mention the fact that, you know, he could have been going there for work. Right. Because he's apparently going to work as a stuntman now. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we also still have the roommates. The, oh, the, yeah. The, the housemates. The singles. Yeah. All coming to try to jump Jack's bones. Yeah. And he doesn't want to say, actually, i kind of got a girlfriend now. Right. Right. We've also got uh, the one actual character of color. Uh, who also lives in that apartment complex and is apparently performing arcane rituals. Well, it, it was the seventies, man. Everybody's performing arcane rituals of some sort. How do you think? How do you we'll, think? We'll get we'll, we'll get to that book later. How do you think Dungeons and Dragons came to be? <laughs> Bear, yes. Everyone's performing arcane rituals, and Tom Hanks gets wrapped up in it. And <laughs> there you go. Jamie, what am I doing here? <laughs> Uh, and we haven't talked about it yet, but we, we've got another monster besides the werewolf in this issue. Yep. It is, of course, the Grimace. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can stop the Grimace. <laughs> On the cover, he looks kind of like Tor Johnson. <laughs> well, a little known fact. Uh, Tor Johnson was actually the inspiration for the Grimace. <laughs> <laughs> Time for go to McDonald's. And, you know, it, it actually, it makes for kind of an interesting fight in that because he's an artificial creature, like, the werewolf can't hurt him. Like, like he gets his hand sliced off and just kind of no-sells it. Like, like it's not a big deal. Yes. Um, and so that's different. But it also doesn't go anywhere. It does not. It's, right? Well, it looks like it's going into the next issue. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's there to have a fight scene, and then he gets called away again. Right, and, and is having his missing hand repaired yes and then we go for the actual big um reveal for the issue right which is lieutenant hackett showing up and saying like i have reason to believe a werewolf is here right yeah the the big reveal is that uh lieutenant hackett is now played by tom berenger (laughs) he 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 definitely has gone through a transformation He, he no longer looks like the sort of generic like square-jawed hero character that he kind of looked like earlier on. So wait, does this mean he works for the committee? Who, the lieutenant? Yes. I don't think so. I thought he was independently investigating everything. But, okay, um, Baron... Oh, because of the previous column, the previous panel, yeah. Baron Thunder says, however, and by the way, Baron Thunder, stupid goddamn character. Stupid looking, bad motivations, I feel like he's a joke character. He he looks like he looks like a parody of a Jack Kirby villain. Like he's like Doctor Bong, basically. Right. He he's shaped like Doctor Bong too. He is, including yes. his head. It's shaped like a bell with a mohawk. Yep. yep. And a scar. 
and a monocle. But you're 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 right because we go from from uh, Baron Thunder saying that he has uh, or one of his resources is about to strike just now, and that's at the same time that we cut to Lieutenant Hackett knocking on the door. So yeah, it's possible that could be a misdirect. Yes, it could be, but it is possible. Yes, so, but you know this interview could be interrupted by another attack. Right. Right. Um, and the, the, the behemoth monster thing, like, it's weird to me because Marvel's actual golem character debuts next month. Yes. And they are very similar. Right. He's a golem. He's a big clay yeah, monster. Yeah, he is. A big purple clay monster with orange shorts. Yep. Yep. Um, I feel like the only reason they're orange is because the werewolf is already wearing green. Yes. And it's just, he feels like a mook just thrown in for the werewolf to fight. He almost reminds me of the the automatons that the leader used to send out in uh, Hulk comics. I can see that. Or or the awesome android. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, the thinker used to use. It, it's just, he's generic. I'm not inspired by, I, I keep on calling call him Dr. Thunder, but it's Baron Thunder. Baron, yeah, yeah. Baron Thunder. With his monocle and... and Does he have a cigarette holder? I feel like he's, he ought to have a cigarette holder. Yes, he does. Okay. He has he has the long cigarette, yeah. God, he's such a cliche character. Yep, yeah. And then on top of that, the one good addition to the supporting cast since Jack moved into this apartment complex, Topaz... Apparently exits the book here. Is this her last appearance? At least, at least for a little while. I mean, she'll be back, I'm sure. Okay. But at least for a while, she exits the book. Just And, like, for the first time, I believe that Jack Russell could be straight. Right. Right. Like, we, we were suspicious of this relationship when it started so quickly. Yes. But they've done a pretty good job of selling us on it. Yes. So far... I, I fully... I will now fully accept that Jack Russell is bi. Yes. It, honestly, this is the most best sold relationship of all the romances he says in quotation marks we've seen so far probably so yeah I, I agree with that um, I mean short of Jack Russell and Buck Cohen right well I mean that's because that love is eternal right right uh, just as an aside uh, there's nothing really interesting in the mail column but if I was someone who was actually trying to collect the Marvel value stamps I would be incredibly disappointed at uh, this one being Sandman of all people. Which Sandman costume is it? Hold on, let me let me find it because I I forgot. It's purple, so that's his frightful four look, isn't it? Uh, let me flip through. Let me flip from my book, find it again. Where is the Where Mail? By the way, the letter call name is terrible. Where Mail by Night? No, that's that's a miscoloring of his usual costume. Well, because the the I thought the frightful four costume still had the stripes and everything, just was purple. No. Okay. No. Like the 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 frightful four costume has like a headdress and oh yeah yeah that is literally just the striped t-shirt and pants but colored purple right right so it's not even a good rendering of the Sandman no yeah that's that's terrible that that is the worst Marvel value stamp I've seen so far uh, definitely definitely not not getting much value from that no uh there's no Stanley soapbox in this issue instead it's Roy's rostrum. Oh Jesus Christ! Hold on. No, that's not that's not what I was laughing at. I just realized. Yeah. Um, Baron Thunder. Yeah. 
is what what it would look like if they had cast Mr. T as a Bond villain. <laughs> With the mohawk. <laughs> yes. And the ch- and the that, chains. That, and <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. That that sounds about right. Although I want to see that now. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bond. No. Mr. Bond. Actually, they die. Hmm. Yeah, there's nothing of note in Roy's rostrum. Just sort of naming uh, some of the uh, newer faces that have joined the bullpen um, in in sort of editorial and, and writing capacities. So, uh, I'm wondering if this is th- this has been a time that sta- that stands out in Hollywood. It's actually in Europe at this point. Oh, yeah. Okay, that makes uh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Um. They do mention that Marvel is doing the comics adaptation of Ray Harryhausen's Golden Voyage of Sinbad, which I have that comic. I bought I bought that back issue the other day. Yay! That's the one with Tom Baker. Um, yes, yes. It is probably my favorite of the Sinbad movies. I've forgotten what we were talking about Werewolf by Night about. <laughs> yeah, which is probably telling um, that, that I think we've probably exhausted yes. most of what there is to say about this. I honestly, uh, other than the art, which I mostly like, yes. the most interesting thing about this issue is I am curious to see what happens after this last panel. Yes, and not because it has anything to do with Baron Thunder, because Jesus Christ. Or, or, or the Grimace Monk. Although I just realized something. The little yeah? altar thing in Mean Housemate's um, little pentagram yeah. is, the sh- is the same shape as the symbol on Baron Thunder's cummerbund and on his chair. Interesting. Maybe maybe he's the maybe he's the one about to strike. I don't know. That's that be that be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of possibilities that this issue offers. And I am I'm genuinely kind of curious to see what happens next. I am less intrigued by the actual promo for the next issue which says next Ma Mayhem. See the only thing I could think of is the Batman, the Batman sixty six villain, Mom's mm-hmm. Maisley or Mabley, right, or whatever her name was. Yeah. Who? That's a weird episode. I, I won't get. I it, it, I won't get off on that tangent. But that's a weird episode. <laughs> it is. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's probably a good place to to stop on on yeah. Werewolf by Night. It was fine. Not great. Certainly not the worst werewolf issue we've had, but far from the best. Yep, yep. So, let's take a break, and then we will be back with our next issue, which is Marvel Spotlight number 15, featuring Son of Satan. Yep. Friday, a Halloween special starring Paul Lynn. Turning myself on. And his special guests, Tim Conway, Florence Henderson, Donnie Marie Osmond, Pinky Tuscadero, and the incredible Kids. Then, Rosemary's baby has come of age. For a birthday boy. Satan has come to reclaim his son. No! Due to mature subject matter, parental discretion is advised. Look what's happened to Rosemary's baby right after Paul Lynn. Friday, starting at 8, 7 Central and Mountain on ABC. Don't talk, just listen. Son, there is no hope. Only mystery, wonder, and danger. 
Black Sun Dispatches on the Cinepunks Podcast Network. Welcome back to Tomb of Ideas. Our next issue is Marvel Spotlight number 15, Black Sabbath. Cover date on this is May 1974. It's written by Steve Gerber. Pencils and inks by Jim Mooney. Letters by Dave Hunt. The colorist is Petra Goldberg. And the editor is Roy Thomas. We open with Damon Hellstrom, accompanied by Dr. Catherine Reynolds, confronting his father, Satan. Suddenly, a blazing meteor strikes the ground and splits open, revealing a priest who attempts to destroy Hellstrom. The floor opens beneath the son of Satan, and he falls, crashing into a miniature city? Suddenly, a man who looks like the Riddler's husky brother arrives, offering to buy Damon's soul. Hellstrom recognizes him as Greed, a servant of Satan, and the man releases from his money bags a demonic serpent. Hellstrom recognizes that he's being offered a choice to either give in and ask his father for help, or to defeat the monster on his own terms and win his freedom. He kills the serpent, and the world erupts into fiery lava. He sees Dr. Reynolds again, now driving his chariot. He reaches out for her, but suddenly realizes he's reaching out not for Reynolds, but instead for his father. With that hellish image, Damon wakes from his nightmare. Dr. Reynolds arrives to apologize again for putting him in danger last issue. Then, Damon notices that the pentagram on his chest has inverted into the symbol of Baphomet. He realizes that today is in fact his birthday, and that Satan really did visit in his sleep. Satan then appears before him to announce that Hellstrom will no longer be split between his human form by day and his hellish persona by night. Instead, his dual natures have been merged. As Damon continues shouting to himself and ranting about eternal agonies, Dr. Reynolds nervously excuses herself, but not before asking Hellstrom to accompany her to a parapsychology class before he leaves town, and they agree to have dinner to discuss the matter. That evening, Hellstrom meets Byron Hyatt, a divinity student who tells of a satanic cult operating in the area. Byron asks Damon to investigate, and so they all go to the park together. They arrive just as the cult is in the middle of a Black Sabbath, and their spell compels Hellstrom to join the ritual. However, when they stop chanting, the spell is broken, and Hellstrom realizes that the cult's leader is in fact Baphomet, a goat-headed incarnation of Satan. They fight across St. Louis, until, on top of the famous arch, Damon finally defeats the demon, condemning him back to hell. The cult disperses, and the Son of Satan reunites with Byron and Dr. Reynolds, inviting them to call him Damon. Well, this certainly was a comic. <laughs> I feel like this will be a familiar refrain. <laughs> yes. uh, it's a weird issue. And it certainly was written by Steve Gerber. It is a very Gerber issue, yes. It, this certainly is a Steve Gerber such comic. As like, su- such as like fully 50% of the issue being a dream sequence. Yes. I did not hate it. I mean, it's not terrible. No, uh, I, I I saw from uh, uh, while I was out of the corner of my eye while I was going over my summary, you you liked my description of greed. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was really funny. Um, there's some interesting art here. Yeah. Uh, for one thing, there is a satanic version of 
the root, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> yep, the uh, yep, the creation of man. The creation, or whatever, uh, yeah, the, on the, on page ten. Yeah, so so the the dream has Damon reaching out for Doctor Reynolds on his chariot, and then it's a page turn, and on the page turn, you get this weird negative space, black almost black and white image of uh, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, but instead of Adam, it's son of Satan. And instead of God, it's Satan. Yes. I have to say, the dream sequence is my favorite part of the book. It is the best, yes. I, I like the trippy imagery. Uh, I like the weird transitions. Um, it is the most Gerber of this issue. Yes. In, in terms of, it reminds me of the weird Nexus of Reality stuff that we had when he first took over Man-Thing. Yes. Like the issue with Howard and, and the Barbarian and all that. Yes. Um, um, go ahead. The, the 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 stuff around the campus I don't really care about. No, and it's it's a weird interpretation of Satanism. Like I'm not an expert, but Candlemas is not a Satanist holiday. No, it's a no. it's a Catholic holiday. It is. Which, yes. I, I mean, I don't know what you're trying to say about Catholics here. <laughs> <laughs> Did you suddenly turn to Martin Luther on us? But um, it's just like. I'm also just not sure why it would be a, a satanic holiday because it's like that's like the presentation of Jesus, isn't it? Like it's it's part of uh, it's, it's, it's it, the it's the it's the end of the Christmas season. Yeah, it's the end of the Christmas season. It's the restoration of the purity of Mary. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not going to try to interpret what that means. Right, right. But because because that that gets complicated. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'm not Catholic. Um, my wife is Catholic, but I don't. I, I, I don't want to burden her. <laughs> my wife was a Catholic, but <laughs> like the the best but, I can think of is that it the, the implication is that they are doing a Black Sabbath on Candlemas as a deliberate subversion of what Candlemas is supposed to represent. Yes, but I mean, Damien says here that it's a Satanist holiday, which it is not. Right, right. Um, it's also his birthday, though. Yes. And I would actually invite actual Satanists to come out and correct us if we're wrong. But yeah. the thing is, they do that in this comic, too. If you look right. at the the spotlight mail... Yes. And I'm sorry, I, have to, I, I, I just mentioned it while you're doing your summary. There's a letter in here from a Satanist. Of course there is. Uh, correcting some of the um, things in here. But also pointing out that Wiccanism and Satanism are definitely not the same thing. Yes, yes. Because they're not. Right. No, they're they're very different and, and are drawn from sort of different traditions. Yes. Uh, it is interesting that in this issue, uh, Damon's pentagram symbol actually becomes the one that the Satanist included in the letter, like the inverted pentagram. I, I, I wonder if that's because of that. It's possible. Like, it up to this point, they've been using a judeo-christian version of mythology for all of this and, and they actually address that in in their reply that that they uh they acknowledge that the symbol previously appearing on damon's chest is in fact a witch's symbol uh and that uh that the one that damon has now the way they put it is is the one from the church of satan yes the mythology gets really weird here yes yes um and I don't know the the fight at the end between 
Son of Satan and Baphomet is okay. It's not as good as the dream at the beginning. <laughs> no, it, it the whole issue is kind of downhill from after the dream. Yeah, the, a lot like really like a showdown between Damon and Satan on top of the St. Louis Arch ought to be a bigger deal than it is here. But even like the choice of the St. Louis Arch is a fairly anticlimactic setting for any kind of showdown. It is. Uh, it's to- and I think that's totally because crap, we're stuck in St. Louis because of where the last issue ended. Yes. What do we do in St. Louis? <laughs> Apparently we're putting down roots. Well, we've got a supporting cast now. Yep. Which okay. Which which Damon and uh, Dr. Reynolds seem to be pretty cozy in those last couple panels. Yep. It's so yeah. I mean, apparently we've got like what one more issue of of Hellstrom in Spotlight, and then it's eighteen issues of Hellstrom's solo series. Um, something like that. Uh. Oh nope, I'm wrong. There are like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, ten, ten more issues with Son of Satan. God, that's so much. And he does get his own series after this, right? He, he, I believe he does. Um, I thought for sure Son of Satan didn't last this long. I thought it didn't either. Um, oh, you know what you're probably thinking of? You're probably thinking of, uh, Strange Tales. But I thought both didn't last this long. Um, he's also going to appear in Giant Size Defenders fairly soon. I guess we need to cover that. <laughs> yep. He's going to make a guest appearance in Ghost Rider. Just, um... He's in Marvel Team-Up coming up. Yeah, so Marvel Spotlight, his last appearance in Marvel Spotlight is issue number 24. Yep. Uh, and and then he launches his solo book after that. And he's replaced by Sinbad. Yes. Um, and, yeah, his in fact, his final issue of Spotlight, the cover is pretty great. It's a showdown between Son of Satan and Satana. Who we are just getting to learn and just getting to meet in Vampire Tales. Right. Right. Uh, and then after after that one-off uh, Sinbad issue, uh, Spotlight uh, moves on to the Scarecrow. Yep. So, yeah, no, we are, we are for better or worse, we got a lot more Damon Hellstrom coming up. <laughs> they, are, they are all in on this guy for, for some ungodly reason. Uh, do, do, do you see what I did there? Yeah. The, it's an ungodly reason? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we know the reason. We know the <laughs> It's because of the exorcist. Exorcist, The Omen, like, there, uh, there was just this big move toward, like, juxtaposing old-world satanic cult stuff with modern-day stuff. So, yeah. But that's, I just, I don't have much more to say about this one. It's uh, the one good thing that comes out of this issue, I think, besides the, the dream sequence. The one good thing that I think comes out of this issue is they finally did away with the, uh, human by day uh demon by night yeah the the, the 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 old thing the hulk used to do right and, and that ghost rider still does you're right it is ghost ghost and i think that's why they got rid of it because they, we already have like at least two other like characters they, doing the stick like they realized that they had basically stick. just recreated the same character they already had yes so yay but that it's a it's a good thing um so and so now it seems like he might be more like i don't know Almost like modern Thor, where he's just this weird, out-of-place guy all the time who doesn't quite fit into the normal world. Yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, also on the letters page, 
This issue has a much better Marvel value stamp, uh, which features Cole the Conqueror, the uh, Robert E. Howard character. Cole! Yep, he's there. So, that's that's basically all I got on this one. It's, you know, again, sort of like the werewolf issue, not great, not terrible, like we've had worse, yeah. but, but it, it's fine. It opens stronger than it finishes, which is not the way you want that to go. But Because I don't really feel like I have any sense of wanting to know what comes next from this issue. No. No. I mean, the the, the, the Bathomat, Bathomat fight is interesting. The design of Bathomat's interesting. Yeah, like the goat-headed demon. The idea that it is an incarnation of Satan, that Satan can manifest in these different forms, yes. is kind of cool. It Like, that's interesting. Yeah, it's... it's Biblical demon by way of Jack Kirby, which is yeah, and I like the the full page uh, image. It's page twenty three of Damon surrounded by demonic creatures. Yep, that's a good image. Like the the art in this is is genuinely pretty good. Like Jim Mooney does a good job of of capturing the Gerber weirdness, including the jackal from Spider Man's inbred cousin. <laughs> <laughs> just just back there in the background. Yes, yes, that is definitely... Uh, that's one of the failed Jackal clones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dan Slot has a whole miniseries just for this guy. That's that's uh, that's uh, the Jackal they don't talk about, Jokel. Oh, no. <laughs> they had that character in freaking Spider-Man. They did. Yeah, the little the, one. Uh, yeah, the little oh, guy. Oh, the little guy was so terrible. Yeah, I remember that. Oh. <laughs> Trust me, I have read all of the Clone Saga. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I remember. That. I trust you. I pity you, <laughs> but I trust you. So I believe in you, uh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I believe in you. Really, is a shame that they didn't come back to that at the end of of uh, of that that climactic speech. Uh, I believe in the car. <laughs> We'll be right back with Tuba Dracula. Brain, it's gone. That's not all. The entire spinal cord is missing. What? It's incredible. As if some mental vampire at work. Does it come from another country or another world? This terrifying menace that G2 must destroy before it's too late. Image is fading, sir. There it goes again. Same trouble. How can they stop this invisible force whose only warning is a weird, blood-chilling sound? <laughs> Only two people still alive can help this agent find the answers. The girl who could be a spy, and the scientist who could be the destroyer of the entire human race. We're facing a new form of life that nobody understands. I believe it feeds on the radiation from your atomic plants, and that it's evil. Stop them. There's only one way shut down your atomic plant. If I can get through, I can blow up the control room. Oh, 
All right, Josh, we got to do this ad. We got to come up with something. What do we want people to know about Cinepunks? I don't know, man. I feel like they should know everything about Cinepunks. <sighs> All right. We're underachieving overachievers convinced that we know a thing or two about movies. Romance and adventure by the light of the silver screen. Is non judgmental movie criticism a thing? Not really, but we love you anyway. We love cinema, whether it's high art or low trash. Cinepunks, we're elitists, but only about real nerd shit. Liam and Josh, we have two microphones and the truth. Welcome back to Tomb of Ideas. Our last issue for this episode is Tomb of Dracula number 20, The Coming of Dr. Sun. Cover date, as with all our issues this episode, is May 1974. Writer is Marv Wolfman. Artist is Gene Colan. Inker is Tom Palmer. Letterer is John Costanza. Colorist is Glennis Ween. And editor is Roy Thomas. We pick up from last issue with Frank Drake and the recently rescued Rachel Van Helsing stalking the weakened Dracula by helicopter in the snow-battered mountains of Transylvania. The two hunters seem to have the Lord of the Vampires on the ropes with their arsenal of wooden bullets before losing him in the heavy snowfall. While they try to, re- while they try to regain their target, Rachel recounts to Frank how Dracula wiped out her entire family in revenge for the actors of her grandfather, Abraham Van Helsing, and would have slain her as well if not for the timely intervention of Quincy Harker, who took the young orphaned girl in. Meanwhile, the starved-of-blood Dracula faints in the snow, seeing a strange figure over him before losing consciousness. Dracula awakens to find himself a captive of agents of Dr. Sun, including his former servant, Clifton Graves. Graves explains to Dracula how Dr. Sun found him after Dracula left him on the exploding yacht to die in Tomb of Dracula number 10, and stitched the seemingly dead Clifton back together. As to gloat, however, Dracula uses the opportunity to escape his bonds, falling upon Sun's agent, Professor Morgo, and ripping his throat out. He then goes to do the same to Clifton, just as Frank Drake and Rachel Van Helsing rush in, having found the Meme Cave in their hunt for the vampire. Rachel lines up her crossbow to fire a wooden arrow at Dracula, but the vampire lord uses his supernatural strength to shift Clifton over to act as a human shield, killing his former servant. The scuffle is cut short, however, as all three of our main characters suddenly find themselves frozen in place by a mysterious ray. A curtain rises and Dr. Sun stands revealed as a brain in a jar alongside the vampire Brand, declaring that he has brought Dracula here so that he may challenge him for the title of Lord of the Vampires. So, this was a fun issue. This was a lot of fun. It's it's sort of all over the place. A little bit, yeah. But that's not that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, first things first, the opening splash page um, with Dracula and the helicopter and the wind blowing and and uh, the coming of Doctor Sun, uh, like not the cover but the splash. Yeah. Reminds me, uh, just in passing that Gene Colan's brief run as the artist on the Bat books was pretty dang good. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Like, Gene Colan drew Batman for a while, and it was pretty good. It was in the 80s. Nice. Uh, but yeah, a fun, fun issue. Uh, I will say, I think it's page four. There's a panel at the bottom like that just takes up the whole last third of the page or so. 
And holy moly, that's a lot of exposition and recapping in one panel. You're true, true it is. You're right, you're right, it is. Like, that whole panel is just caption boxes. Yes. I was really worried that this whole issue was just going to be him stuck in the snow again. Oh, uh, that would have been terrible. It would have. Like, I am glad that they get that out of the way within the first, like, six pages. Yes. Because we had that enough last time. It's funny, this is sort of the opposite of Spotlight, in that Spotlight starts with a really cool opening, and then sort of, like, fizzles out. This one starts with an opening that's not that great, but it ends so strong that it doesn't matter. What I find interesting is, like, they keep on talking about wooden bullets, wooden bullets, wooden bullets at the beginning, and then at the end, when wooden bullets would have proved helpful, for one thing, um, Clifton probably probably would not have died from wooden bullets hitting him. Because yeah, um, wooden bullets are actually used as non-lethal rounds, unless I guess you're a vampire. Or less than lethal. Less than lethal, yes, yes. Um, they're often used by um, police forces to suppress protests. Right. Often used incorrectly, but that's a whole other conversation. Whole other conversation. Remember, fucking vote. On the right. Fucking vote next week, guys, please. Right. I will say, I... The hardest I have laughed at a comic in a while was the whiplash effect of, oh, Clifton Graves. Oh. (laughs) There's a guy we didn't think we'd see again. Right. Like, I was all excited because he was back, which is the first time I've ever been excited about anything involving Clifton (laughs) Graves because he was suddenly a patchwork Frankenstein. Yes. And then he immediately died. Yes. And I double-checked. I pulled up the wiki, and yes, he is in fact dead. This is his final appearance. <laughs> you made him interesting, you bastards, just in time to kill him. <laughs> oh. But yes, but I was genuinely happy like that they wrapped up that loose end finally. Yes, because we weren't sure if he was dead. He is definitely dead right. now. Yes. Um, Dr. Sun being a brain in a jar is an interesting twist. Yes. I actually love that. Like, sometimes yeah. it is so hokey to see a brain in a jar, but it really kind of works here. Right, right. This, Although, I, I will say, like, on the DC Comics side of things, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for the brain and Monsieur Malat. Oui. Uh, but, uh, so, so I, will, I will never be mad about a brain in a jar. <laughs> it, although, I, I, I am greatly amused by a brain in a jar challenging Dracula for lordship over vampires. Yes. Because I'm imagining yes. it's going to be like that time Wolverine became lord of the vampires and the brain is going to have to wear a big cape. <laughs> like around the jaw? Yes. Like, like with the big collar yes. sticking up? <laughs> yes. I demand this, in fact. Yes. So, again, fan artists, while you're working on that, that carnage bear, <laughs> also give us what brain in a jar Dr. Sun would look like as a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness but yeah this is again it's it's almost we, we say this every time but it's almost hard to talk about because dracula is just so consistently good yes but this is just like next level good which is the- one thing that we haven't one thing we haven't talked about is that we do get more backstory on rachel yes we get more backstory on rachel which is nice it makes her more of a character yes but I can't go more into that fucking spoilery. Um, right, right. So, mm. 
But yeah, good stuff. Yeah, it's 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 really good stuff. I'm just like And I guess the vampire brand will somehow like factor into this duel for uh leadership of, of the vampires. Yeah, speaking of characters we really didn't expect to come back and become a major part of the book. The right. Vampire brand. This right. gang leader who is now And we've seen him off and on. Like yes. every so often they will cut back to what Ireland? Yeah. Where he is uh training to become a better vampire. Doctor Sun is training him as a as vampire. And we're thinking, oh, he's gonna be his vampire assassin person. Right. No, apparently like sort of sort of the anti blade or something. Yeah. Apparently no. He is apparently going to He's wants to be Lord of Vampires. He's a brain in a jar, Trey. <laughs> I mean He doesn't even have fangs. This is true. What what happens if a vampire bites a brain in a jar? I don't know. Do you gotta put Like what happens Do you gotta put blood in a jar? Uh, well cause like like Dracula regenerates. Like if you kill him, like he regenerates. So, like, does the brain, like, generate a body? Can you glue little fangs onto the jar? (laughs) (laughs) Little little bat wings on the side. (laughs) I I will say, we've talked about Clifton Graves already, but I really like the... Like, he tries so hard to be a badass in front of Dracula. Yes. Like, when, when he, like, walks up with the vial of blood and just pours it on the ground in front of him. Well, they're both trying to be badass in front of Dracula. They're like, ah, oh, we've, ca- we've caught you, Dracula. You can't get away because we've laced these ropes with garlic. Right. But apparently, it's nothing for him. But they also kill him at one point. Like, like the, the old guy, like, jams a wooden stake into his chest and kills him. Yes. And then removes the stake. <laughs> It's like, if you struggle again, I will kill you and not pull the stake out. Which, honestly, they should have just done. Yes. And then Dr. Sun would be Lord of the Vampires. Yes. Like, they they had their out right there. Yes. Heck, that is a far more effective way to keep Dracula captive than just tying him up with garlic ropes. Right. Like, go ahead and kill him and just leave him dead. Hey, do you know the best way to tie garlic ropes? What's what's that? Garlic knots. (laughs) Damn it. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we don't we're really, also, I, mean, I was just going to say, I guess this is maybe obvious, what with the brain in a jar, but we've gone full sci-fi. Yes. Like, we're, we're no longer in the realm of horror, we've gone into science fiction, um, up to and including the fact that the brain in the jar has an immobility beam. Yep. So, you know. That, that's where we're headed, I guess, is this weird intersection of gothic horror and 70s sci-fi. Yes. And we're seeing it both here and in Werewolf by Night. Yes. Yes, actually. like that's, And I think this is the beginnings of... like In terms of story, it's not what we're getting yet. But in terms of thematics, this is the beginning of the road toward these characters being fully in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And, you know, a few episodes back for us now, but we're all, we also just saw it in Morbius. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's that's always been Morbius's deal, yes. is science fiction vampire. But, but yes, the, the one where the, the aliens show up. And whatever. the reason yeah. why it works so well in Morbius is because they're leaning more into the science than into the mm-hmm. vampire thing, which I think is a good idea, right. especially when we have this Dracula title. But apparently we're leaning into the sci-fi thing with Dracula as well, but I don't yep. hate it. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't either. I uh, I am, again, 
I'm enjoying this. It's 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 weird. It's fun. You don't really know what to expect, which is cool. Um, I don't know. Uh, sorry, I was just looking ahead for a second just to see. Uh, we're still pretty far off from like any major appearances of like Marvel superhero characters in a Dracula book. Yeah, like I think maybe when is the when is the giant size team up with Dracula and Spider-Man. Um it is Hmm. So we're at what? Number 20? Yeah. Yeah. Um it's July 1974. So, so Okay, that's not that far off. No. We so we've we've got Giant Size Spider-Man is is like the next month from now because we're at the, we're at the end of May right now. And we got We're about to start June. We got to cover June and then yeah, right. this will be next and, the month after next. And uh there are three Dracula books in June. Mm-hmm. Because there's Dracula Lives, there's Tomb of Dracula, and there's Giant Size Chillers Volume 1, number one. You're right. Wow. Yeah. Giant Size Chillers, which, uh, after the first issue, gets retitled to be a Dracula book. It just becomes Giant Size Dracula. Uh, I feel like that's too much Dracula. We, we're reaching Dracula saturation. Peak, yeah. Peak Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, we, we've gone pretty far off from what's going on in the in the comic. Uh, brain in a jar. Brain in a jar. Like this is a good one. It's it's you know it. It's a shame that they have to wrap up the like less interesting stuff from the previous issue because I feel like that takes up more pages than it needs to. Yes. What with all the snow and caves and stuff. But but once we get into the secret laboratory, like like it, it's really good stuff. Agreed. So. I think, Trey, that actually does it for another episode of Tomb of Ideas. Yeah, episode 50. Episode yeah. 50! Woo! Woo! He's still listening, so we got to be excited about it. Woo! <laughs> Yay! Yay! Um, as for next time, um, this will be coming out, looking at the calendar real quick, uh... What, right before Halloween? Right before Halloween. Yeah. Right before Halloween. So, that means that we will be coming up with something special for you. Um, for what I guess will be our uh, Halloween special. Anniversary special, yeah. It is an anniversary special. We launched on Halloween, didn't yes, we? Yes, we did. Yeah, so this will be our, our anniversary special. So, we, we've got some things cooking up for you that should be pretty cool that we're not quite ready to announce yet, but... but Suffice it to say, episode 51 is one you do not want to miss. No, you don't. So, between now and then, you should let us know what you thought of the previous 50 episodes. Yes, you can email us at tombofideas at gmail.com. You can reach us on Facebook at facebook.com slash tombofideas. And you can find us on Twitter at tombofideas. That's right. And of course... We are still mem- proud members of the Cinepunks podcast group, which also hosts shows such as Cinepunks, Black Sun Dispatches, uh, Cinema Smorgasbord, Horror Business, uh, and many other great shows. So please check out Cinepunks.com. That's Cinepunks with an X. They are, as we record, uh, in the midst of Cineween 2020, yep. uh, their annual celebration of all things spooky in the Halloween season. 
That is not just their podcasts, but also their articles. There are some really great articles already up about horror films directed by women, about uh, 80s horror, all kinds of good stuff. So keep an eye on Cinepunks.com throughout the Halloween season. And, uh, and be sure to check out both the articles and shows that are there. So until next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> I can't go home until the carp is asleep. Because if I see it swimming, I'll kill it. I need a lozenge. <laughs> After that, I, I believe it. You have been listening to the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. Until next time, Tombers Excelsior! Ha 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 